Welcome to episode 66 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert M. Wright. And on today's show, we are going to be discussing the potential issues of being exclusive to Amazon. And this is all based off of a very horrible experience that I had very recently. And I think I teased it on last week's show. So yeah. we will get into that today, David. Sure. Um, and then round about the halfway point, as always, we will be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of our awesome listeners. And this is about a certain craft-based adage that pops up time and time again when it comes to writing novels. And that's all before we are joined by unique crime writer Martin Tracy, who will be here to face our seven questions. And David is now going to face my question, which is, how have the last seven days been for you, my friend? Well, you're getting better at these um, links, Rob. Such a segue king. Segue king. (laughs) Um, Yes, I tell you what, I am being good. You know, we we talk about the D word in this area of the show every week and the D word being discipline. And I guess when we're talking about discipline, what we're essentially talking about is the, you know, the act of, of, of craft making, you know, writing that novel, writing that prose every day. And I had spoken to you, I think, on the lead up to Christmas where I was less than enthusiastic about the novellas I was working on. They weren't exactly getting me excited. Um, but I can say now that I am coming towards the end of this novella and it's also bleeding into the next novella, I can see plot churning and, and characters developing and that is what gets me excited. So I over the past seven days, I've been very, very disciplined and getting, um, you know, between a thousand and two thousand words of prose done a day, which is what I all be aimed for. And so, yes, I'm towards the end of a novella, which will probably go out to my, I'll do another few drafts and then send it out to the editors towards the end of February and it has a publishing date of the 26th of March and um, so I'm at that stage which I, it is a bit of an uh, you yeah, see, yeah. The, start, the start of a novel is exciting to me the end of a novel it's the middle part that feels like the actual work <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm over that now I, I did speak to you also in the lead of the Christmas thinking that because I'm not overly enthusiastic about the novellas I'm writing um, I was thinking of decreasing it from a nine novella series to six. Mm. Uh, I, I'm i about 90% certain that that's what I'm going to do now. So the next one is the sixth okay. one. I think I, I think I have the whole conclusion for it. And I might leave it there because I, I, I there's, a, there's a novel percolating, a brand new story sort of percolating oh, in my head oh. that I want to get out there. And begin working on in the second half of this year. So I think the Lenny Moon series, which was going to be a nine book series, will conclude at a six book series. Um, so, yeah, that's where I've been over the past week in terms of my craft. And um, how have you been over the past seven days? Uh, yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Um, I've, I've been cracking on with the new Jack Townsend book, which is... Uh, very exciting. Still nerves on this. There's no nerves when I sit down to write a Sam Pope book now. Um, like 13 in. Yeah, like I said, you kind of, it's like, it's 
putting on a jumper. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's so easy. It's just like natural. Whereas with the Jack Townsend one, even though the last one has been so well received and, um, you know, I know I can do it. Yeah. It is like reintroducing characters I've only written once and reintroducing a new case for them to solve. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like there's more nerves around writing this one than or like second guessing than there is with Sam Pope. Um, yeah. And that's been that's an interesting um, thought process to go through. It's probably not one I've had to go through for about two or three years, probably. Right, yeah. Um, because the Sam Pope was just snowballing and, you know, I was getting the, it was like a positive feedback loop. I was writing a new book, getting a positive reviews for it, getting more sales, writing yeah. a new what, getting more reviews, getting more sales. So it was always like nothing but positivity. So I was like, okay, well, I'm on a formula here. Um, this one will go the same way. I'm fully confident of that. But at the moment, it's sort of like I'm writing dialogue scenes or I'm writing a crime scene. I'm thinking, is this interesting enough? But I think it is because it's based on the other book. It is, you know, it's very similar tone. But based yeah, on the fact that I just, I've just written a, a high octane Sam Pope book, yeah. where the dialogue's probably a bit snappier, the 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 pace of it moves quicker. I I need to snap out of that mindset and get back to the other one where, you know, them sitting in an office or standing in their police office looking at the board trying to figure out what's going on is exciting for that genre and it's yeah. it's it's a very um yeah. it's a very interesting creative headspace to be in um and like you say when you're in this zone of writing every day and doing, we do have the best job in the world so i can't mm -hmm. complain about it um yes. it's all good but uh yeah so that's that's where i've been at um uh, writing wise for our listeners either um by the time this podcast comes out the new sales tracker should be ready there's just a couple of final bits i need to do to it and then it will be available on our website so i'll put something out in the facebook group um when it's up and available uh so yeah i've right. been working on all that and just on a personal note it's we're recording this on the thursday the 8th it's my daughter's fourth fourth birthday tomorrow Ooh. um so like we've been geeky. having to like yeah, she's very excited for it. So we've got a very big weekend planned of stuff. Um, so there's Great. been a lot of like getting that organised during the week. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week. Now, Robert, it is time for the main talking point. Now, I have a feeling that our listeners uh, assume because this podcast sounds so crisp and so professional that we are so disciplined in terms of knowing what we're talking about and we have bullet points and mm. scripts in front of us every week Rob but um, that is not the case uh, uh, what we tend to do is, is or what we aim to do is make the uh, main talking point and the discussion points in the podcast as conversational um, as possible yeah. and so what we're going to do over the next half hour or so is have a conversation about a problem that you have faced over the past 10 or so days as an independent author. And it's something I actually don't know anything about yet because we haven't discussed it. So we're actually going to have the live oh. discussion on air. Can you please uh, inform me and indeed our listeners of what you've been through over the past 10 days or so? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first things first, just going to put a little kind of warm up to this is, you know, I'm a big proponent of being exclusive with Amazon. 
You mm-hmm. have been for years. You've gone wide, but we've always said we wanted to go wide. I know you've now in the process of going, well, you've just started going wide. I always say, you know, people who disparage Amazon as this disgusting thing for independent authors, blah, blah, blah. It's wrong, especially when the opportunities it provides and the fact that, you know, if I was to take off Kindle Unlimited, I'd cut off half of my income, which would cut yeah. my legs out from underneath me and my my ability to do this for a living. That's why we've always championed not, well, actually, probably not champion, but why I'm not I'm not ashamed to say I'm exclusive with Amazon. Yeah, like oh, not me neither. Yeah. That's the great word. Mm-hmm. Um, ethically, I'd love to be wide, but business sense wise, it just makes no sense for me. So, but you also it's always obviously one of the main reasons for that. And we've had guests on like Joanna Penn, who you know um, she's a massive proponent for being wide, and there's other key authors who are who always talk yes. about not having all your eggs in one basket so that's the <laughs> biggest issue right about being exclusive amazon it's all your legs in one basket and you hear horror stories every now and then of people having their account shut down or something like that it's not that bad okay but just, just say but that's 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 the main issue part if you go yeah. over the ethical issues of amazon the biggest issue is you're not fully independent by being exclusive with Amazon. You're actually dependent on Amazon. And so, therefore, um, as a result of that, you're kind of a slave to algorithms in some way, aren't you? Their algorithms. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm an independent author by the fact that I, I do everything myself. I don't have any bosses. I don't have any anything I need to do. But I'm not independent by the fact that if Amazon decided to cut me off, I am fucked. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's basically the only way of saying it. Um, so with all that said, let me just paint the picture for you. This was eight days ago. So this was last Wednesday. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I had to go pick so, uh, my wife up from the station. Uh, we're a one-car household. Um, and mm-hmm. I go pick up Olivia from nursery, pick my wife up from the station all in one trip. And it's about... 15 it's about 10 to 15 minute drive from the nursery to the station add a little bit of traffic it's probably about 20 minutes that's fine i'm okay with okay. that pick olivia up we just hit the maddest traffic in high wickham where i live well i'm talking about it took 45 minutes to get halfway to the station that, like so i've had to walk down to meet us like oh, this was like i'm sat in this horrific traffic i need a wee because i wasn't expecting to sit in this traffic and i've got a f- near four-year-old in the back asking me why we're not moving so i'm just i'm not in the best mood to start off here's me being a novelist i'm painting the picture for you and <laughs> i'm sat in the traffic my phone beeps i'm not i'm gridlocked so i'm going to check my phone I'm not looking at my phone when I'm driving. Yeah, you're not going to get me with that one. But I get a thing and it says, alert from Amazon KDP about your account. So I open it up and this is what I read, right? Bear in mind my mindset at the moment. I'm not in the best of mood. Hello, during a review, we found your books contain content, text or images that's widely available on the web, which is considered disappointing content for our customers. This is a violation of Kindle content quality guidelines. They give me a link. The affected title is The Final Mile, which is the fifth book in my series. Okay. We do not allow we do not allow content that disappoints our customers or creates a poor shopping experience. As a result, we have removed the books from sale on Amazon. If wow. you wish to publish this content, notify us with the URLs for all websites where this content is published, 
an explanation of why the content is widely available on the web. And three, if the content is in the public domain, include the information you use to make this determination. As a reminder, we may suspend or terminate accounts that repeatedly try to publish content that creates a disappointing customer experience. If you have any questions or believe you've received this message in error, please reply. So, um, mm. so am I thinking they've, they've picked up your fifth book and they either think that um, it's wide somewhere else and shouldn't be exclusive to Amazon or do they think there's plagiarism involved or something? I didn't know. I didn't know you that. Didn't know. That was literally all I got from them. Now, I was obviously sat in traffic when I got this, and I was like, what the f... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely yeah. not. So we got home. I was straight on um, my laptop. Within an hour, the book wasn't available on the store anymore. And also, when I went to my KDP dashboard, where I can upload books, it didn't say unpublished. It said blocked. Oh, Jesus. I couldn't edit it. The, the only thing I could do was archive it. Now, funnily enough, I could only, it was only the ebook. So the paperback was fine. But obviously, oh, okay. that's not my exclusivity. That's not yeah. my only exclusivity to KU. But also, the uh, box set that it's in w remained untouched. So, anyway, it was not good that within an hour of them saying this, the fifth book in my series. That's a yeah. 13 book series. The fifth book is now completely unavailable to wow. my KU readers, which, like we said, is half of my income. So you can imagine if it was like book 10, I'd probably be less pissed off. I'd be like, okay, well, let's get it sorted. I've still got this big old funnel of 10 books to get them there. But this yeah. is this is like a key book. And the thing is, is this is like a lead off of book four where something major happens as well. So like, I can't right. not have this book available. Yeah, you can't, yeah. yeah. Book five cannot not be available when there's a, when it's a 13 book series. Yeah. So what happened? When did you get home? And about 45 minutes later through that traffic, straight onto Amazon KDP? Yeah, yeah so, so I, I got straight onto them about it. Um, would you like me to reach the the, uh, the the firmly worded email I sent them? I would love to hear your response to this. So I messaged them. They got a message back from me. Yeah, 45 minutes later. <clears throat> that simply says, Hello, please can you specify what from my book is text or images that's widely available on the web? I would like to know what the issue is with the book. And what has violated the guidelines, as I have been self-publishing on KDP for nearly a decade, and this has never been an issue. The final mile has sold four, over 4,000 copies and has nearly 3 million page reads and has accumulated over 16,000 reviews, of which the average rating is 4.6 out of 5 stars. How does this constitute as disappointing content? And I, please, can you let me know what needs to be done to reinstate the book? It is not available on any other websites as an ebook. I would like the ebook, paperback, and audiobook all reinstated, blah, blah, blah. This impacts my series. Um, so I sent that off. I got no response. So then I also went on to the KDP dashboard where where it said block. It says to contact us, click this link. So I clicked that link. I copied oh, okay. and pasted that. And I also took a, a screenshot of them blocking my book. And then I didn't hear back from them. 
<laughs> like I was hoping to get something back immediately. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I sent off and, uh, literally for about 24 hours, I didn't know if I was going to have my book reinstated. Oh, so this was overnight and everything. Mm. And yeah. so, so you, you've got this horrible email stuck in traffic. When you eventually got home, you sent off an email and then you responded to a link that was in the block book, which again is another email. So this is two sort of text-based uh, communications you've had with KDP. Uh-huh. And they took 24 hours to get back to you. Well, it took till probably around early afternoon. So probably about 19, 20 hours, probably. Oh, okay. So the guts of the day. And what, did they respond to one of your emails? Uh, yeah, they responded back to us, uh, responded back saying, um, oh, on review of this. Now, this is the thing that's worth pointing out. I got, I got an email back. I'm not going to read it out. It was just like, upon review of this, we realize this has been done in error. We will reinstate your oh, book, God. blah, blah, blah. Oh. It's our life. So like I said, um, my accounting gets suspended. And actually, for less than a day, book five in my 13-book series was unavailable. So um, if people are listening, just thinking like, well, it's not a problem then. It is a problem because the issue I had is, funnily enough, I even got a message from someone that evening saying, I can't find book five on Kindle Unlimited. I was like, oh. <laughs> There's a, I had to put something out on my Facebook saying, due to an issue of Amazon, fifth book. But I did direct that person, because they're in Kindle Unlimited, to the box set. Because I said it's still available on there. They haven't. Oh, there's right. no issue with that. So, so that was able to. But the reason this is an issue, right, is for that time, I genuinely didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. If it's because I was at the mercy of them. Now, what's worth pointing out is I do believe it was done in error. I also don't think it was done. When they said we've reviewed your content, I don't think someone sat down and reviewed the content. Yeah. I believe because the email I got that suspended my book or blocked my book didn't have um, – it was like a, a – um, Kindle content review, loads of numbers at kdpsupport.com, right? Yeah. And it was just signed off at the bottom, Amazon KDP. Now, I never, I've dealt with Amazon. Um, I've actually always found their customer service to be pretty good. Um, yeah, for, it's for my authors. experience too, um, yeah. Um, I know probably when you have serious issues, I've heard horror stories of people having to go through, through, through layers. And I was thinking to myself, who, who do I have to go to to get this reinstated? But the response I got back when they said this was an error, it's now been reinstated, it was signed off by a name, and there's somebody called Nancy. Right. Um, so thank you, Nancy. But the, <laughs> the original email I got didn't. So I, I'm assuming there's obviously, I mean, there's what? It's probably over 30 million, probably more books on, on KDP. They must have systems running through, just yeah. check, 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 check. And if something flags up, they block it, send this email auto-generated, and then you just have to respond. That's my understanding. No yeah. one's told me that. Yeah. Um, but I believe yeah. that's that must be how it works for this to happen. Yeah, that's definitely how it works. I, I think what we'll find is that, so Kerry, my wife, uh, who's a creative coach, um, preaches about, you know, being able to run creative businesses from your own couch at home, which is essentially... Rob, mm-hmm. what, what you and I do. And so this is definitely not an Amazon or an author exclusive 
story. What we find now in the modern world when we're running these digital businesses is, and we've used this term lots of times on this podcast, we are slaves to algorithm. So what mm-hmm. happened there is, as you say, it's coming through all these millions of books and there's maybe a sentence or something in your book that they weren't happy with. And they thought, oh, we're going to block this. So it's the algorithm rather than any human that shut it down. And when you eventually got a human involved um, from your two emails that you sent, a human realized, oh, the algorithm made a glitch here. Um, we'll correct yeah. that. And it has happened to me. And it happened to me with Facebook. So I've really spent the last six years as an independent author relying on two major platforms. That is Amazon KDP, who I publish my books through. I've been exclusive to them for six years. I've only gone wide now again recently. And also Facebook or Meta because I've run my marketing through them. And my Facebook just, a fuse hit there a couple of years ago and it ju- I lost all the momentum I had built up. I remember up. that, yeah. Yeah, and again, it was no human error. It was an algorithm, you know, going through my marketing and then deciding, oh, he's done something we don't like, bang, a fuse just blew. So we are slaves to algorithms. Now, Rob's sounds like a horror story. The first act of this story, when you're stuck in the traffic and you get that fucking email and you're fuming. Um, but thankfully, within a day, you manage to get that resolved. But there are definite dangers there when we are slaves to these algorithms and we are counting on the, on our digital businesses um, passing these tests that algorithms are just working on in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly that. And like, this isn't a woe is me um, story or episode, right? I'm fine. I'm good. It's got sorted. Um, I yes. think I may have made this point before. Probably won't surprise our listeners to know that if anything comes along that impacts my business in a negative way, I will attack it like an absolute rabid dog. Um, and I've yeah. had, you know, I've had conversations with editors, with proofreaders, with cover designers, um, where if I don't think something's good enough or the service I've been provided isn't good enough, I'm more than happy to say it, right? Like, this is yeah. my business. This isn't, I'm not too polite to go, oh, but, you know, sorry, Amazon. Like, no, yeah. I will go back and I will fight my cause. Um, oh, yeah. And quite rightly. Um, so, yeah, there's no woe is me story. The issue I had here, right, is those 20 hours. So, for 16, no, for 18 months nearly. No, for 18, yeah, September, October, November. Yeah, I'd say nearly 18 months I've had the, the, the best 18 months of my life, right? Because I've been able to do this for a living. At the worst day, I, I can remember because right, of yeah. the impact of thinking for that time my business plan here is knackered yeah like knackered and this is the whole point of this episode is this is the peril of being exclusive with amazon so it's all good me talking about the millions of page reads or the the however much money i made off of kindle unlimited this one day um i didn't eat dinner because my I, my stomach was gone yeah um like I couldn't, I just couldn't face Ian because I was, I'm so worried. Like we just remortgaged yeah. the house <laughs> based, on, based on what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you yeah. Know what I mean, I, I need, I, you know, as nice as it is to be an author, I need to make the money because I've got a mortgage. I've got a family, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I can't stress enough how fundamentally problematic it is to have a book unavailable in a series yeah. that early on in a series where not many people I rely upon her in Kindle Unlimited. So I I, yeah. I I went to bed at about 11. 
I got up at about half 12 because I wasn't, I couldn't sleep. And I was literally planning up, what can I do to get around this issue? Yeah. Like, am I going to have to make it available as an ebook on my um, website? Um, and then put a note in book four to say, if you want book five, you're going to have to go here. Or am I going to yeah. have to go completely wide? But then because I can't have this one book not in Kindle Unlimited. And I was drawing up all these plans. Like, I think I ended up going to bed at about three o'clock in the morning was when I finally felt tired. And then I had to be up at like six to take safe to the station again, to do the nursery run again, to do the podcast with you. Remember last week I told you I was knackered and then I told you I'd tell you why. So I couldn't eat breakfast that day. I barely had any lunch, but just purely because I was... I felt genuinely sick that yeah. if you think of my business as a Jenga tower, that's 13 yeah. rows high, someone was about to pull out the fifth row, yeah, which would mean it would topple, right? Yeah. So I was, I was adamant I'd done nothing wrong, but until I got an email back from Amazon or confirmation back from them, for that 20 hours, I was literally thinking my business is over and this is the issue of being exclusive when something like this happens yeah and i just kind of thought it would be really good to share it with um our listeners because you know we come on here every week we have a great chat we have because well, we have this wonderful job right we're, we're independent authors we have a laugh we have opinions and views or experiences on the topics that we we put out but we're just as vulnerable to this as someone who is two books in yeah. um do you know what i mean that we have the exact same possible issues and whilst i will still be a massive proponent i got it sorted out within a day so that's it and ultimately that's it is it took one day yeah and it's sorted and it's been selling and i've got the page reads blah 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 but i you know i'll still say if you can be an exclusive with Amazon and you can get those page reads, do it. Yeah. Because I bet it's worth remembering while we talk about all the issues or problems you might have going wide, David, it's still worth every now and then getting a friendly reminder that the grass isn't always greener on the, on the exclusive side either. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even going wide, we're still sort of, um, you know, binding our hands together as slaves for different types of algorithms. But yeah, it, um, having all your eggs in one basket really just does enhance that anxiety that it only takes one algorithm trigger for your whole business to collapse. So essentially what happened to you last Wednesday was you went from having a 13 book series to only having a four book series because nobody wants to read mm-hmm. book four and then go to book six. So they really were just ripping your the heart of your business out there or an algorithm did. So it, we are safe to algorithms. I would just... Um, say to our listeners that yes you may get one of these scary emails one day like Rob got a week ago in fact I've heard even scarier ones where authors and authors are just having their whole KDP wiped out yeah. um, so I, I just just to say to you if any problems at all with Amazon and then you might have heard Rob and I over the, over the year and a half we're doing this podcast talking about um, how content and happy we are with Amazon and, and Amazon's customer service but you know th- that's not to mean everything is rosy in that garden because there's so many authors who do not like the customer service they get from KDP. So I'm just going to take um, 60 seconds here to talk you through 
how mm. Rob and I have got um, received good service from Amazon. So if you have any problems or any algorithm sort of fuck up your business a little bit or cause a hiccup in it, your KDP homepage, that's kdp.amazon.com, kdp.amazon.com, that is your KDP homepage where you will find your bookshelf with all your books on it. In the top right-hand corner of this, and a lot of people don't know, uh, realize it. In the top right-hand corner, there is a help button. Yeah. I would implore, implore you to click that help button and then ignore all of the text that's on this big page after you click help. Bottom left you're looking for is a yellow tab called contact us. That's what I go to. And then you're sort of brought into a page where you're going to distinguish exactly what issue you're having. So proof and order copies or my KDP page is down or an algorithm failed my um, books or pricing. I want to talk about pricing or I want to talk about payments. Go into any problem you have and then request a call is normally my issue. Robert went for email which I have done. You can email here or request a call. But if you request a call or send an email from this page, well, then you're entering uh, discussions with a human rather yeah. than allowing the algorithms. So if you have a problem with KDP, what you want to do, the first port of call for you is to get in contact with a human being who works at Amazon, talk out your problem. And like Robert did, your problem may be resolved pretty much straight away because then it's a human realizing that the algorithm made a mistake rather than, you know, your book actually is cancelled because we found an issue. So yeah. I am onto your KDP homepage, click help up the top right-hand corner and then find the issues that you're having. And when you click on the issue you're having, contact us or an email there is what will get you in contact with a human. Yeah, and that's, and that's ultimately what you want to do. So, um, Again, you can't you can't run Amazon with 50, 30, 50 million books, whatever, and expect it not to be machine led. Um, so, yeah. ultimately, the point of this episode was to just make people aware that these issues do pop yeah. up. Mm -hmm. These issues do pop up for the two indie authors. They happen to you and me. Um, yeah. There are ways to get them sorted. There are processes to go through. Um, but yeah, um, ultimately you're just as liable to have issues being exclusive as you are to being wide. Um, and I just thought this would be a very good um, opportunity to shine a light on that and share what, uh, what I went through in the last week or so. It's mailbag time, David, and we have received, we're actually receiving quite a lot of questions in our Facebook group at the moment, which is wonderful. Yeah. So if any listeners are, um, are listening to us waffling on today and they want to join our community where we have, I think we've got nearly 500 people or so in there now, nearly growing, approaching yeah. it. Um, it is growing. It's growing every week and people are posting questions. Other members are answering them, offering their own um, experiences and opinions. So it's a growing community. Join us in there. And this is where we got our question from. I'm going to, I hope it's a real genuine surname because it's the perfect surname for an author. <laughs> it's a question from a gentleman called David Wrights. Um, and the question is short and simple. If you write thrillers, is that where the adage of write what you know should end? So you're our um, creative writing lecturer, David. 
OTA. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it, that's one of those adages that you know receives a sigh in response, isn't it? Rather than a, an answer, um, write what you know. Um, it's an adage, and it's an adage for a reason. But I think so many people misinterpret it. You shouldn't write what you know, Rob. If you were just to write about you and your family, how fucking boring would those books be? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. It'd be pretty dull. No, but yeah, Sam Pope isn't exactly a relative of yours, is he? No, 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 no. No, no um, exactly. Not. So, yeah, I think people get a lot of this or this adage mixed up. Write what you know doesn't mean that you should um, just be writing about your neighbourhood or your experiences or your own opinions on uncertain issues. Write what you know has got more to do with theme than it has to do with plot. And I'm getting a bit okay. technical there. But um, to give a great example of that is, you know, Harry Potter or The Lord of the Rings, right? Um, J.K. Rowling is not a wizard and doesn't know wizards. And Tolkien has never been to Middle Earth. You but shouldn't if have you... to say this. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have to say this. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you dive deep into the characters, if you dive deep into Harry Potter, what you're finding there is a coming of age story, right? Isn't so it? it's it's a coming of age story of of this uh, teenage boy or young boy who is in encased in this world of wizards and witches and all this type of thing in in um, Hogwarts. So the plot is not something J.K. Rowling has been through, but the themes that you'll find throughout are um, experiences J.K. Rowling would have been through. So write what you know does not mean that you have to just write about everyday things that happen to you as an author. It's really about themes that if you dig deep into it, um, your experiences will enhance the, the, the makeup fairy tale story that you were going to write. So yes, your story is fiction, but your themes should relate to the human experience. So write what you know is about theme, it's not about plot. And I think that's where an awful lot of people think, uh, sigh when they hear that adage. Fantastic. I mean, this is why we have him on the show. It's why we got you here, David, to be able to succinctly <laughs> put it in that way. Um, <laughs> I agree. It's, it's one of those things. I, I, I kind of look at it. Yeah, you're right. Sam Pope is my relative. I've also not killed hundreds of people in grisly, gruesome ways, so I can't write what I know. I've never investigated <laughs> murders. So yeah. um, I agree with you there. It's more you can apply it to some areas. So I apply right what I know. Like every now and then I might have just an opinion someone has on social media or the use of social media or, I don't know, the, something political about, you know, the poverty in a certain area and why that could be the case. I might put my own view on it, right? Yeah, you know, The government shit or people are fucking wrapped up in social media is a bit pathetic, right? I'll put that into my books. And if, I've had some people complain about it. Okay, oh, really? tough shit. Yeah. I wrote it's my opinion. Yeah, I've had yeah. some people complain about it, but it's my book. Write what I know. So if I have to write about someone's opinion on social media, I'm going to write what I know. Um, yeah. But I would just say, when you do think about this, obviously listen to David way more than me because he used to <laughs> teach this stuff. But when it's the whole write what you know, just remember that research is a wonderful thing. So if you don't know yes. about, say for me, you know I did. Uh, here's a little sneak, little uh, peek for you. Um, when I was best man at my best friend's wedding many years ago, 
we went to Budapest on his stag do. And for a day out experience, I booked us a gun shooting session. Oh, great. Yeah, I did that on my stag, and, actually. Yeah. And, yeah, I did it because, it, hey, it would be really fun. But B, I wanted to know what it was like to shoot all these different guns. So I yes. would have it in my head that I know about the kickback and I know about the recoil and I know about this and I know how loud it is. So I wanted it because it's research for me. So right. remember, you don't have to write what you know, but you can research the hell out of anything. Two Okay, Rob, it's time for the seven questions and we've lined up another fantastic guest, a crime writer, but a crime writer with a very unique voice and a very different tale to tell. We have with us a man from the best city in England again. Oh, here we go again. Here we go. Birmingham. Talking up, but nobody, nobody realises how great Birmingham is. That's the problem. That is the problem. Listeners. <laughs> Get online. In fact, come up and join us in Birmingham. We're going to organise something very soon uh, in and around April. But that's not to stain or put a stain on the introduction to this unique author, Martin Tracy. Martin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. No, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. And thanks for bigging up Birmingham. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Said in, in, in the tick trot of a lovely Birmingham accent. Uh, Martin, yeah. <laughs> your books are amazing. I mean, we call you a crime writer, but you're not. A crime writer in the everyday sense, are you? No, not really. Um, I guess my first crime, my first take on crime writing was um, a book called My Gorilla, which became the first in the in the uh, Judd Stone series. And um, I did I did quite make it quite police procedural. However, uh, not really having a crime background as such, either enforcing it or doing crime. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've just been talking about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing I had with Judd was, I think, well, well, I, I think everyone's got crime. You know, we see so so much on telly and everything. It's a fantastic genre to write in. Yeah. Um, but I thought the best way for me to make it an interesting uh, book series and also. Um, to make sure that I'm not really being criticised too much from the police procedural view, let's make him a bit of a bad copper, you know, let's break all the rules um, and then therefore, if he breaks all the rules, um, he breaks all the rules. Um, yeah. So, actually by by now, I'm on book five, six of the Just Stones. He's a private investigator, so he can really play by his own rules. Um, so, it's a little bit more wide-ranging um, and a lot of uh, genies out of the bottle, shall I say, in terms of Judd Stone and how he tackles crime. Um, I mean, he's half he's half gangster, half PI, to be honest. Um, so, uh, and plus, I've done a lot of supernatural stuff, uh, yeah. horror stuff. So, so, I'm quite open to um, the way I'm wired. A lot of things flow from from my my vivid imagination. Shall we say? Great. I love that you're maximising on that on your imagination. And also, yeah. um, the 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 formula of having a copper be bent, so you can kind of get around all the actual like red tape that yeah. goes in these procedures. Yeah, it's done wonderfully. A um, brilliant, ex brilliant example is Luther on TV, really, really. because um, 
I won when I started writing my detective series, I even had I said to you, David, I was gonna make it Luther esque. Um and then when I tried to, my editor, who's like a crime expert, <laughs> just picked it apart saying, Can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. I was like, But Luther does it. And she's like, Well, yeah, but you're not writing Luther. And so, so it's a really good um strategy you've got there. Especially making him a PI as well is um yeah. a very clever. He's got his own rules then and sets his own jeopardy, yeah. yeah. It plays by his own rule. I mean, the thing is as well, um, the, the ends justify the means. So I, th- I think you're quite right when you say about, you know, obviously police have got laws and rules and regulations, etc. But Judd, is, it doesn't do bad things for the sake of it. It does bad things f- for good, which it, which right. is a bit of an oxymoron. But, you know, the ends justify the means, you know. He's, he's a good guy at heart, and, and what he's doing is... is, is uh, is solving crimes and taking people to justice. Um, sometimes in very <laughs> deliberate and intense ways, but you know, it, 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 he's got he's got a strategy. He's got a, a, a vision for doing it, and um, and it, it is justified in in, in the, the the end justifies the means. I so, love it. Yeah. It sounds really good to me. In fact, all your books sound good. Um, MartinTracy.co.uk. It's T R A C E Y. How you spell that surname? We know he can write great books, but can he answer the two indie authors' seven questions we're about to find out? Robert, what have you got for Martin? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start off on a really positive note, Martin, with question number one, which is, what is your favourite thing about being an independent author? Yeah, I think it is um, having that control. I mean, I've already explained sort of a little bit about it. <laughs> My imagination involves... Um, <laughs> So it really gives me that freedom. I've got. I have to be careful, obviously, and that's why you send to check with editors and beta readers, etc. But you know, you do write with the shackles off. Yeah. And um, you know, if you've got an idea that you really want to push out there, then then then, an indie author platform allows you to do that. You know, you really can explore. No whole bars, so you know you can just go for it. You know, so that's what I like that about something the control of everything, all down to your book design. You know, what whatever goes into the the acknowledgement you know it's it's all down to you yeah so, so that that's that's the positive yeah, of it, yeah. i love it because you, your fingerprints are over everything that's published exactly. uh, from yeah. you so as you say from the blurb that cover um the opening you know you're you're not you don't have that involvement of these gatekeepers that rob and i keep talking about um, on a yeah. week-to-week basis on this show uh, it's great to start off on a positive and and having that control and autonomy over your business is fantastic as your favorite thing about being an independent author but it takes the irishman to bring the negativity um, and <laughs> so question two is what's your what's your least favorite thing about being an independent author i think you're literally starting from scratch, aren't you? In terms of what I mean by that is, is the marketing side and yeah. and getting the book read side. So you know, it's, you can write a book, but you need people to read that book uh, ultimately. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the whole idea. Um, so the marketing side and not having an advance from a traditional publisher, you know, they give you X amount of money. You've got a budget to play with then to market, or they'll do some of the marketing for you. Yeah. Um, although you know, I'll caveat that with. Um, um, and this is not a knock against small independent publishers or small publishers, but 
I think in today, from what I understand the industry, even the small publishers can't offer that much different to an indie publisher at the moment. Oh, true, yeah. um, but obviously, I'm, I'm talking about the big guys, you know, the, the big boys and girls that can give you that advance, can give you that marketing, can give you the connections, get you on certain TV shows, whatever, you know, yeah. that side of it. You know, market. I think indie, every indie author you speak to, marketing as an indie author, getting your name and brand out there is very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely is, and it's this like starting from scratch is a really good way to put it. And I think a lot of a lot of independent authors come into it thinking, written my book, I'm going to drop it on Amazon, boom, there you go, million sales. Yeah, and I think when they get hit in the face with that cold reality of no one has a clue your book is out there apart from the people you've actually told, um, it's quite a big realization, and and it's a huge undertaking. Um, and like you said, marketing is um, a huge part of that. We'll come to marketing in a little mm-hmm. bit um, because our our listeners love to hear how independent authors market their books. But before that, they also love to hear what independent authors have as their writing routine. So what is your um, writing routine, Martin? Yeah, um, a bit like uh, I've explained about how I approach my writing in general. That is like me, it's quite sporadic, you know. I'm, I'm not a routine guy, never been process-driven. Um, and um, it's probably not the ideal answer from an author, but I kind of just write when I can, when I've got the time. And I'm very, very fortunate that I don't seem to get writer's block. So if I find an hour, two hours, three hours, luckily I can jump on it and it can flow. Um, I'm very I'm very fortunate okay, in great. that. Um, yeah, in that. So it's very sporadic. There's not really a routine. I'll do it when I, I've got my fingers in so many pies. Um, uh, you know, I'm doing a film about Birmingham now, David. I'll talk to you that another time. Oh, maybe. yes, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, with, with another independent author, DG Torrens, who's also from Great Bar in Birmingham, like myself. So, um, uh, and, and some other non-fiction work is going on as well with um, with some 80s uh Pop stars from your neck of the woods, Fuzzbox was uh, one, David, and then also with Maggie Demond, uh, who was in Scarlet Fantastic. But yeah, that's my nonfiction stuff. Correct. Um, but, but but because of that, you know, um, finding that time to write uh, the Judge yeah. Stone series, etc., is quite 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 difficult. Um, and as John Lennon said, yeah. life is what happens is what happens to you while you're busy making yeah. other books, isn't it? So I just have to do it when I can, uh, to be honest. With you. Um, but so I love it. I love can it. can I ask? Yeah. Can, can I ask, because um, I think it's incredible that you, you don't have the writer's block. Um, I'm very fortunate, like you, I've never had the thing when I go to sit down to write, I've never had the writer's block either. But that's, for me, I'm way more process-driven um, and stuff like that, routine-based. But I always go into uh, any writing session I have, which is pretty much every day, I know what I'm going to be writing because I do a lot of plotting. I do things like that. Um, do you go into these writing sessions? So yeah. say you know you've got three hours coming up this yeah. afternoon. Do you have like that plot or that plan so you know what you're going to be writing? Yeah. You just don't know when you'll be writing. Yeah, definitely. I'd call it more of a framework than a plan um, yeah. because um, the characters and the story and the ideas will come as I'm writing, so it goes. So I'm not a very rigid plan, but I will have a bit of a chapter framework about how it goes, which yeah. is never the same by the end of the book. Right, yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it does go here, there, and everywhere. Um, and then, obviously, you've got to harness it into the final product. Um, but that's part, of again, of the process of, of how I work, is I, I just let it go and get it all out there 
and then worry about what that looks like after. Um, I think it's better not to restrict your ideas and creativity. Yeah. Um, You've got to be careful because you could have killed someone off in in chapter three and then you've reintroduced them in chapter eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you've got got to have some form of framework, some sort of um, plan with a very small P. Yeah. Um, Not rigid for me. It might work for others, and, and that's absolutely fine. I know an author who she, she told me that she understands the ending of her book and the last page of her book before she's even wrote the book and then works towards that. Oh, yeah. David. I do the same. Yeah. David. yeah, you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And if it works, that's great, isn't it? It um, is, but- yeah. But that's why I've done that. You know, my ending would change 75,000 times. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I love that you have a framework, but you also know that this framework is not going to hold steady because you're going you're gonna to chip away yeah. at it and, and change. But what it is, why we have plans and frameworks or plotting or whatever it is, is, is because we, so we don't suffer from writer's block. So when you open yeah. up that Word document in the morning, yeah. you're getting to work. So whatever your framework or plotting is, um, it doesn't matter that it changes. It matters that it's yeah. not stopping you writing and you can you can, you can yeah. have the flow. So I'm delighted that your framework, what is unique to you, works for you and mine works for me and Rob's works for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is about, it really is about staving off the possibility or the plausibility of writer's block. Mm-hmm. Um, just moving aside from writing for a moment there, I know Rob has, has mentioned this earlier, the, the key component is to get our books out there. Um, but yeah. once they're out there, we need to market them. So how is it you are marketing your books, Martin, is question four. Yeah, I mean, uh, social media is, is a really good uh, platform. Um, it's great to build networks away from marketing anyway, you know, join up with other authors and, and like-minded people, etc. And uh, by and large, the um, writing community and the reading community, they're very supportive, I, I find. Yeah. I think people yeah. help each other, you know, if you put a post out about your book, other authors will share it, put it in their groups, etc., etc. So social media... It, it, you, you must engage with that as an indie author, I think, um, yeah. to get your brand and books out there and known. And, and, and things like this, podcast guys, thank you so much for having me. You know, you've been part of a few podcasts now. And, and f- funny enough, most of the ones I've done are in America, so it's, oh. um, which, which is great. Uh, but th- it's nice to have one with a, with a fellow uh, Birmingham citizen, uh, David. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so it's nice to do it in the UK. I'm usually, and usually I'm... <laughs> You've been you've been able to schedule a nice early morning. I'm usually like gotta gotta match the time from my evening to the America. Yeah. It's like oh. anyway. Um, so podcasts, anything that sort of interviews, um, and that you know sometimes that some book bloggers do sort of written interviews, so a question and answer, yeah. but it's but it's printed on mm-hmm. their blog, their website, or whatever. So so anything really. Another thing I do is join up uh, at um actual live author signing events. Um, oh, great. I ran, yeah, so I co-ran one last year in, in Birmingham, actually, at the Cancer House, and it went really, really well. Um, so that, in effect, is um, if you can think of a festival like Market Stalls and each author has their own table, and then what that allows is the readers to come in, meet you, see that put a face to the author yeah. and find books off you. Um, so that's another really engaging way of doing it. And and I, I like doing that um, because, again, you meet people face-to-face, authors and readers alike, 
and um, you just there's a buzz, there's an energy, and everyone feeds off yeah. each other. And your network builds. It's all about growing your network and growing your contacts, and um, and yeah, it's it's just that's kind of what I do. I've got a very sporadic newsletter I send out as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need to be a bit more uh, disciplined in getting that newsletter out on time. Yeah. Just for you know, it, it's something, something David and I say all the time. We need to be more disciplined with our uh, newsletters. But I tell you what, that's probably the one of the more positive responses we've had to the yeah. "How do you market your book?" question. Because, like you said earlier, a lot of a lot of indie authors they just want to write books. Mm-hmm. They want to be the business side of it. They don't want to do. They're not marketers. Oh. They have to learn how to market stuff. And then obviously you spend money or you do stuff and it doesn't work or you yeah. you, know, you lose the money, and it can be a bit disheartening. So hearing a really positive thing, you know, you love going on these podcasts, you love going to these events, yeah. and you like building your network. It's really really good. And actually, it's a good shout out to a uh, you know p- potential guests on the show. You know, you yes, use podcasts as a good way to market your books. They should come and get on here and join us for the seven questions. Um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, a really good answer. But I'm going to hit you with question number five now. Yeah. And that's what's the one thing you know now that you wish you'd known from the outset about indie publishing? Okay. Um, I was, um, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole again, and I think it's very easy to do this when you're starting out as an indie publisher. Little bit daunting, you know. How the hell do I get my book out there? Um, and there are certain publishing. How well, I'm not even going to call them publishing. <laughs> okay, so there, there are there are companies out there that um, self-publish for you. So in effect, like you self-publish, mm-hmm. you pay them a load of money to do it. Now there there is yeah. some help, and I've done this, and I had a bad experience. So it does help. To a certain degree, because it is a bit of hand-holding, and the very nice people in Tilton that guide you through, but it costs a hell of a lot of money. Um, and your product at the end of it doesn't really sell any better than if you'd have done just had that confidence to do it yourself yeah. through indie. Yeah. Obviously, I learned that lesson, and it's, it's like anything any, anything that you have a bad experience, you actually learn from that, and actually you progress better from it. So, so I always try and set that 100%. The positive out of a negative, rather. Yeah. Um, but what I would say to anyone in a position who's just starting out um, is talk to other authors. Other authors mm. can be very helpful. They'll help you explain how you just self-publish on Amazon or whatever. Um, but don't necessarily jump and throw your money at um, these sort of companies that, that, that will get your product done. But, you know, just something like, you know, with your, with your first book, you're, more, you're, it's, you're guaranteed to find some typos. You're guaranteed, no matter how stringent you be, you're probably guaranteed to, um, to think, oh, I could have done that a bit better, that passage a bit better. But when you go back to these companies and say, I want to, you know, I want to reproduce my book, so to speak, you've got to pay them all over again. Something like, Two hundred pounds for twenty typos. Oh wow! You know, it's a lot of money. Um, yeah. So I'd steer clear of that, really. But yeah, I'm a living experience of why you shouldn't do that. Great. Yeah. No, we we that, that's why we we love having authors like you on, uh, Martin, to not just give great positive advice, but um, also to share your experiences, um, and mm. and and so we can, you know, those coming behind us can navigate the potholes that we have fallen into. And Rob and I have been very open about the potholes we've fallen into over the years. But that sort of publishing that you um, 
adhere to their <laughs> vanity publishing. It yeah, really yeah. needs to be um, ignored, and and um, you do you should not be paying listeners. You shouldn't be paying anybody no. to publish your books if you're going to independently publish them, like Martin and Rob and I have. Okay. Well, yeah, of course, you will incur costs because you're going to be you know, paying for your book covers and, and you know, okay. hopefully a good editing and, and, and formatting okay. system. But you yeah. shouldn't be paying a publisher to publish your book. So that's one to, to certainly ignore. Um, and great, great advice again, Martin. But question six asks you about services you have used as an indie publisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. What's the one service you use as an independent author that you could not do without? So definitely book covers. Um, you know, I can, I can I think I can write. <laughs> um, and visually, I have loads of things in my head, visual, but getting that out as a as a creative, you know, I've never been good at art. Um, and, and you know, it's a bit techie. Any point a book cover together? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm uh-huh. really good, and you know, and I've used some really good book cover designers, and 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 you know what, they're they're, they're not they're not too pricey. Very reasonable book cover. Yeah. designs out there and they're awesome um and um you know you can just tell them what is in your head and it's amazing how they can reproduce what's in your head into something that yeah that is a cover that i could never do so i'm more than happy to yeah. utilize these people who are out there you know um, great check. well well they're the best service to use give them a shout out who, who what cover? yeah yeah sure um there's a guy called Aris june um right. he done my uh first three books in the judstone series they look great um there's uh oh yeah. well i'll get his name right qd designs k-u-d-i i think it's a polish chap lovely um again really good and some of these i'm sure you know um you know i'm talking about bespoke book covers but i have also used um pre-made book covers yeah um and and just add them tweaked a little bit with the font or um, put a moon in the sky or just yes, something really something simple. Smaller. So, you know, if a pre-book cover works for you, go for it because they're usually like um, uh, cheapest chips, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, another one, yeah. um, just get covers. They're just called getcovers.com. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're extremely reasonable priced and they even done my logo for me, which I'm extremely pleased with. Oh, about. great. Uh, they done the logo actually for my, me. And then I was so pleased with them. Me and Dawn, uh, DG Torrance, we use them for Country Trees Productions, which is our film company. We use them for that logo as well. Um, Amazing. Yeah, they're, they're great. They are. Um, but but all them people I spoke about are really, really good. And I've probably missed some out, but they're the three main ones I've used. I, I love that answer to that question. The best service you use, your book yeah. cover, because it really is what will sell your book. Yeah, yeah, that thing that they uh, don't do a book by its cover. Well, people do, don't they? They're so, they're so, if, if it's well, not eye-catching and they don't know you. So as an indie, we spoke about as an indie author, um, you know, you, you're starting from scratch and building your brand. Um, there's so much choice for people to have. If you don't catch their eye from the off, yeah. it's very unlikely they're going to see what's under the cover. Oh, so yeah. yeah. We do. We, ju- we judge a book by the thumbnail now, don't we? Not just the cover. Yeah. We judge a book yeah. by the thumbnail. Well, yeah, yeah. We, exactly, yeah, yeah. Always, yeah. We always say, David, that the um, it's your blurb that will sell the book, but it's your book yeah. cover that will stop someone enough to read the blurb. Yeah. So if your book cover is not good enough, you're not going to have the opportunity to sell yeah. it. So, um, but I agree with you 100% about covers. Um, I've covered it in other we, – we've done episodes around book covers. Um, you know, I had mine all rebranded when I got about six books into my series, and it just – 
it changed the game for me, turning them from my friend who's a, a graphic designer to then getting an actual book cover yeah. designer to rebrand my books it was massive. And one of my books, the first one I ever did, I had my brother make the cover because um, he, he's good on Adobe. And yeah. I didn't know anything about genre. I didn't know anything about what tone. So the cover I thought was awesome. The font was terrible. The image was terrible. It was a terrible cover. Um, and then the book got picked up by a publisher. They gave it an okay cover that I then found out was a stock image off of Canva because I found it on another book. Wow. And then when I took the rights back and I was independent, I got a pre-made cover, right, that you just said. I got a pre-made cover for yeah. £50. Yeah, and then I ran one ad to it with the new cover and I made about £400 in like the first month of it because the cover went from yeah. some homemade thing to a proper professional looking cover and it yeah. made such a difference because it stopped yeah. people to allow them to read the blurb to then buy the book. So a superb service. Uh, David and I 100% agree with you. Uh, Martin, you have given some tremendous advice throughout this um <laughs> this this discussion but i will give you question number seven which is what is the one piece of advice you would leave with our listeners i think um first and foremost you've got to enjoy writing um and be patient um you know to get it, it can be done there are examples you know we, we know about jk rowling big brother um but by and large, you've got to enjoy the process, enjoy the creatives, enjoy the writing, be patient. If you're trying to, you know, become the next best thing overnight, that's very unlikely to happen. Yeah. Um, but don't get disheartened by it, you know. I think it's very easy to get disheartened, uh -huh. you know, imposter syndrome, etc., etc., etc. But more, really enjoy it. Enjoy your writing and then what, what comes from that is always a bonus. But at the end of the day, you've got, you've got a product out there. It'll always be there unless you change it or stop it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I should just say, actually, sorry, going back to my bad experience, um, I did have a um, Maria Lazaru. Um, she actually redone my cover. My first book was Beneath the Floodlights, so I pulled it away from that publishing company, in inverted commas, I spoke about. <laughs> and, um, and and I'm really proud of that book again out there, and the cover that she done is really good looks, as well. It looks great. Um, yeah. so, uh, I guess another, another piece of advice, utilise other people build up that network yes. of trust yeah. you know build up that network of trust and utilize other people um because you shouldn't have to suffer alone it can be lonely being an independent author. yeah but on the yeah. flip side it can actually be really supportive you can there's a really supportive community out there as well i love that yeah that you're full of great advice martin um over the half an hour we've been talking to you yeah utilize the network of authors that are out there um, like we are doing right now this moment the three of us on this call it really is important in such an isolating business to reach out and sort of form a community uh, Martin's also uh, informed us that book covers are, are one of the key uh, most important tools in his armory as uh, an independent author and there you've heard it there where he we asked him to give one piece of advice look at the long term it's a long term game Martin is telling you you are not going to become an overnight success as an author Martin it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you I'm only about 25 minutes away from you so we'll meet up um, let, let's um, let's stay in contact but we're, we're definitely Rob and I are going to have an independent or two indie authors get together in Birmingham in April so we will see you there um, hopefully but uh, thanks so much for giving us your time this morning pleasure I've really enjoyed it thanks for having me great questions and 
great engagement, guys. And, and guys, this podcast is amazing. Come and listen to it. Yeah. And, and be on it if you're an author, be on it. <laughs> Martin, thanks well, so much. Thank buddy. you so much, Martin. Cheers. See you soon. Bye, guys. Two Another wonderful guest, David. Um, a massive thank you to Martin for joining us on the seven questions. Um, yeah. Where can people be able to sign up like Martin to join us on this show, David? Yeah, there's a couple of options there. Um, we encourage you to get onto our Facebook group because we're trying to um, collate a community there. So it's two in the orders on Facebook. You will see a little yellow profile picture uh, of cartoon faces of Rob and I. At the very top of that Facebook page, there is a pinned post asking you to sign up for the seven questions. We have maybe a dozen or so on the list. We're looking for more and um, because we look for 50 a year. So please sign up and uh, an email will drop into your inbox from me uh, some Monday coming soon. You can also catch that um, sign-up sheet on our official website, which is... Rob will tell you. www.twindieauthors.co.uk .co.uk, okay. Right, I'm on that now. I won't forget it forever. <laughs> Twindieauthors.co.uk. Yeah, you can sign up for our um, seven questions there. You can also ask us a mailbag question on our Facebook group or on the email address you will see on that website. And we thank you for getting involved in mm. the show. So that's episode 66, Rob. What are you going to get up to before we record episode 67 next Thursday? So it's my little one's birthday. So this weekend ah. we've got a party for her at Soft Play, which will be mayhem. And then on Sunday, I used my Amex points that I've just collated through paying for my Facebook ads. And I got us tickets to go see Frozen the Musical up in the West End. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Great. Oh, I love a West End trip. Yeah. So that's meant to be amazing. And my, my little obsessed with Frozen. So um, that should be good. And then writing-wise, a few more chapters. Um, and I should have a new book cover um, designed for one of my books for later in the year. So I'll probably do some ah, sharing lovely. around that. So, yeah, it should be a nice week. How about yourself? Yeah, hoping to finish the first draft of this next novella and maybe even if I... If I, if I can get that done um, quite early, I will perhaps do a redraft on it. I've got a big meeting tomorrow about my screenplays. Mm. So um, I'll fill you in on how that went um, when, when I talk to you next week. Um, we've also got Valentine's Day, don't we? So February is an expensive month for you. Well, I have to get you your gift, don't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've st I'm still thinking of what to get you, but I let it percolate. And, um, you know, when you wake up on the morning, you will know. Oh, 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 David, you're spoiling me. And on that note, I will see you next week. See you then. Thank you.